Ah, the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, the boom years of the video game industry. Yeah. And my game system was the Magnavox Odyssey 2. Sleek, stylish, futuristic, and totally underappreciated. Sorry. Let's change that. I'll dig through the Odyssey 2 library, introduce you to each game, offer a few of my own expanded memories of playing them both then and now, and we'll see if those games hold up today. Incredible. I'm Earl Green, and this is... Select Game. <laughs> Welcome back to Select Game, Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2 podcast from thelogbook.com. I'm Earl Green, your host, and this month we are basking in some amok downtime, mainly just so I can use the Star Trek gag. Yep, that's that's really it. Now, that's not really it. The name of the show didn't occur to me till afterward. But you have to admit, it's a, uh, it's a good little Trekkie in-joke, and if anyone's going to come up with one of those, probably me. In the news. There is some news this month. Some homebrew news. <laughs> some really surprising homebrew news, because not even all of it is for the Odyssey 2. Now, one new game for the Odyssey 2 that is available is Aaron the Ant. And there's a reason I'm saying it that way. Eat as many green apples as you can and avoid the aardvark's tongue. How many apples can you eat before you become the aardvark's dinner? Well, you can go to 2600connection.com and order yourself a copy of Aaron the Ant. The game was programmed by Chris Reed and it is now available. Now, also on 2600 Connection, there are two upcoming homebrews by John Redder, who is a select game listener and Odyssey 2 aficionado. But here's the, here's the interesting thing about these homebrews. They're not for the Odyssey 2, but they are porting classic Odyssey 2 games to the Atari 2600 really getting complicated. Are you keeping a flowchart here? John is working on two games that will be available through 2600connection.com. One is Handy Pick Hank, which is a 2600 port of Pickaxe Pete. And he's also working on a port of UFO for the Atari 2600. Both of these look like uh, look like he's done a really excellent job of porting them over the VCS. I hope Handy Pick Hank has all the different screen setups that Pickaxe Pete has, because I will be the first to tell you, and it's kind of surprising I haven't really done a show on it yet, Pickaxe Pete is my favorite Odyssey 2 game. So yeah, I'm, I'm in for one of these, definitely. Before we get too far, I wanted to point out that there is some new content all over the place in the logbook.com. In some cases, for the first time in years in their respective areas. 
This includes phosphor dot fossils. You might want to go dig around. There's new stuff in there and just about everywhere else. And to celebrate the new logo and the new look for the logbook, we are having a trivia contest, but it is spread across both of my monthly podcasts. Select game and don't give this tape to Earl. I'll have the details of that contest toward the end of the show. There is some really cool loot to win. There are actually prizes, believe it or not. On June the 4th, 1983, North American Phillips quietly announced at the Summer Consumer Electronics Show that all development of hardware and software had stopped for both the upcoming and never-to-be-released Odyssey 3 Command Center console, as well as for the Odyssey 2. On March 20th, 1984, not quite a year later, all hardware and software production on the Odyssey 2 was halted in the United States. Things may have been a little bit different for the video pack in Europe, but as far as the Odyssey 2 went in the U.S., it was all over. There was a lot of unfinished business left with the cancellation of any support for the Odyssey 2. There was a never-released fourth Master Strategy game, the video board game hybrids like Quest for the Rings that we've talked about. This fourth game was to be called Sherlock Holmes Private Consulting Detective, and it was never finished and never released. There was going to be an Odyssey 2 port of a Pink Panther game that had already been developed for the Atari VCS by Probe 2000, which was Philips' attempt to leverage software into other consoles' software libraries, the only released result of that being War Room for the ColecoVision. Any further localization of games programmed for the video pack in Europe ground to a halt. The Parker Brothers games that had been released successfully in Europe never came to the U.S., unless later collectors like me imported them. When I interviewed Bob Harris, the designer and programmer of Killer Bees and Nimble Numbers Ned, on the dying days of the North American Phillips video game division, he had this to say. No one was let go. For a while, the group fiddled around with designing another game system. Eventually, they moved us to another building and put us to work on the Video Writer, a self-contained word processor. You can see that type of product in the office stores, a replacement for the typewriter. That was from an interview I conducted for Classic Gamer magazine. The interview is also available in full on the Select Game page at thelogbook.com slash select game. So what happened next? Well, several years of nothing, really. There were a few lucky finds, especially in Europe, that have since been released as reproductions, or in a few cases have never seen the light of day. There have been lots of rumors of things that were started and never finished, such as, and I still have a hard time wrapping my head around this, supposedly, at some point, Parker Brothers was going to do Star Wars the arcade game for the Odyssey 2. Now, I've said this many a time on this show, I love my big silver flat keyboard machine from the future, and yet I acknowledge its limitations and its shortcomings, and I just cannot see, I cannot imagine, 
a port of Atari's Star Wars arcade game on the Odyssey 2. I can't even imagine that on the G7400 Plus or the Odyssey 3. It just... No, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I think that one was vaporware the moment it left somebody's lips. For my own part, I kept playing the Odyssey 2 kind of oblivious to the fact that there was no new software coming out. Of course, I lived in Arkansas. It took a while for stuff to hit us. I believe it was 1984 before I got Killer Bees, for instance. And I believe it was not until the late 80s or early 90s that I actually went back trying to plug the holes in my software library, trying to get a hold of some of the educational games like Sid the Spellbinder and Nimble, Nimble Numbered Ned. That's right. And uh, I didn't get Turtles until the early 90s, which is kind of an, an interesting omission. My time was taken up by home computers. I was heavily into my Apple II clone Franklin Ace 1000 by then. I was playing games on it. I was amassing software for it. And I was trying to write my own games, most of which... Well, I'll say most of which... Most of which weren't very good. Probably the best one I came up with, which is something of an unfinished symphony that I would love to go back and finish someday, was kind of a cross between the BBS door game Trade Wars and Ultima 4, if you can picture that. Mainly in terms of the damage that you could do to your own reputation if you screwed up. Other people were not content to let the Odyssey 2 die, however. The first homebrew release, Amok, was released by John Donzilla in 1998. Now, John had already programmed several of Vectrex homebrews before Amok, such as Spike Hoppin', All Good Things, Patriots, and Vector Vaders, as well as a few ColecoVision titles like Star Fortress, Space Invasion, and the Purple Dinosaur Demo, which seemed to invite players to blast away at a certain beloved and yet hated public television children's show Amok is basically the Odyssey 2 version of Berserk that the Odyssey 2 never got during the existence of a first-party software library. If nothing else, Amok proved that Berserk easily could have been done with the resources of the Odyssey 2 system. Now, in the finest tradition of arcade ports that weren't really arcade ports on the Odyssey 2, John Donzella changed the name of nearly everything, including the fact that Evil Otto was now SmileyBot. Now, the Odyssey 2 can do a smiley face just fine. So, again, Berserk, you know, how did they miss the boat on this unless they were just gun-shy about anything that might draw a copyright lawsuit after Casey Munchkin? Which, by the way, SmileyBot is Casey Munchkin with no antennae. An Odyssey 2 smiley face, like I said. There were 12 different mazes, and unlike most games in the Odyssey library, you started play by pushing the action button rather than pressing a key on the keyboard. 
As with most arcade games, Amok gave you three lives, which is still quite a rare thing in the Odyssey 2 library. And at the time that you ordered from John Donzilla, directly because he was producing these himself with the, the gutted remains of what I'm sure were very common titles in the Odyssey 2 library, really don't think anyone's going to miss all those copies of Bowling and Basketball, you could pay a little bit extra and get a personalized cartridge that actually had your name on the screen. And I was so enthusiastic about the fact that there was a new Odyssey 2 game, yeah, I definitely sprang for that option. Let's play a muck. It's interesting to, uh, on the title screen, because this does not have a select game screen. He tries to formulate a URL <laughs> with the standard Odyssey 2 character set. I do like the uh, custom characters that he did the Amok title with. Serial number 030, custom produced for Earl Green. Wow. Alright. Right hand controller, hit the action button. I have three lives remaining. Oh, things are going berserk already. Ah, smiley face. That's one thing the Odyssey 2 can definitely do. Is create a deadly smiley face. And then I run into a robot face first. Very good. Very good. Okay, killed all the robots, got away from the smiley face. Smiley bot, as, it, as they uh, call it. Kind of sounds like the, those things that were on Doctor Who a few weeks ago. The emoticon, <laughs> the emoji bots. Okay, never mind. I'm going to leave some robots alive. I'm just going to get away from the smiley face. And Evil Otto's got nothing on smiley bot because smiley bot moves fast in this game. And he does not take long to show up. Oh, and I ran into the wall trying to get away from him. 330 points, and I'm on level 3. And I am dog meat. No! Ow! I was almost out of the room! Game over. Game over is also in a custom font. Very interesting. I kind of wonder how he did the custom fonts here. Let's play that again. Oh, go away, smiley bot. Ah! Ah! The, the player's man moves almost too fast in this game. I mean, compared to some Odyssey 2 games, which are paced in such a way that you have time to deliberate a little bit on your movements, this game, the control is slick as snot. I keep running into the walls. Okay, I'm just leaving the room. Bye!
is also how I handle social situations. I shoot all the robots in my immediate vicinity and then run. That's what everyone does, right? 190 points back to level 3. Will I survive it this time? Probably not, but it's good for a laugh. Yow! The wall! The wall! I went to the wall. Game over. So it's a really good Berserk clone. It's just that if you're used to the... If you're accustomed to the sometimes plodding pace of a typical Odyssey 2 game from that was produced within the machine's production lifespan, uh, this game will throw you way off with the burst of speed that you're able to summon as you dash headfirst into an electric wall. In a most frenzied fashion, I might add. <laughs> it took a while for the floodgates to open after the publication of Amok in 1998, but eventually the dam did start to crack. One of the major indications of that was the 2003 release of a game by Soren Gust called Kill the Attacking Aliens, or as we Odyssey 2 fans know it, KTAA. This was released by Packrat VG in 2003. It was credited to a collective of programmers in Europe called Zype, basically uh, Epics spelled backwards. <laughs> and I think they, they cut up a box and used the same letters in a digital sense. This was very much a video pack homebrew, not an Odyssey 2 homebrew, because the cart label and the manual were very much video pack style. But it's it doesn't matter what you play it on, it's a cool little game. It's very much like the game Killer Satellites. Any of you who have ever played that on an Atari VCS with a Starpath supercharger, um, there are some similarities. Now, with this game, you can press zero for the Garden Variety Odyssey 2 basic video pack mode, or you can press one for enhanced graphics if you have a video pack G7400+, or if you're one of those dozen or so people who happens to have an Odyssey 3. Kill the Attacking Aliens. A love letter to American foreign policy in 2017. Oh, this is going to be another one of those. <laughs> Here we go. Kill the attacking aliens. Wow, apparently if you press the wrong thing to start the game, you just get a steady tone. Alright. Level 1, you have a shield meter. Which is very, very unusual for an Odyssey 2 game. Let's kill some aliens. Oh, they destroyed my house. It's been a few years since I played this. Oh, they're killing all my trees. This game is basically about losing curb appeal. It's almost like uh, 
It's almost like Atlantis if you had, if you were controlling uh, an aircraft in Atlantis instead of fixed cannons. The movement of the aliens is really what I'm talking about there. Oh boy, I got a bonus of 15 points! <coughs> My shields are down, way down. kind of like a UFO in that you can die suddenly. That worked out well. Game over. My score was 147 points. Let's try that again. 12-9-2003. Interesting, he put the exact date that he finished the game on the title screen, which is very much not a... Uh, a standard title screen. I mean, the select game screen is there, but there's sort of an... I don't know, what would you call it in television terms? An intertitle? Alright, let's try this again. Uh, what I was saying before, as I was playing very badly the first time, reacquainting myself with the game, was that this is a lot like UFO in that you can actually ram your enemies, or you can use your ship to... Uh, to catch their incoming fire, which is what I'm doing now. Now that's costing me heavily on my shields, but I don't want them to destroy my trees. Oh, well apparently uh, the trees will live on, but I won't. I got only 85 points. Okay, one more stab at this, because I remember getting a lot further in this game way back when than I am getting right now. They destroyed my house, those half-crazed Visigoths! As Douglas Adams would have said. And half my trees are gone. I will avenge my gardening upon you. And my landscaping. Okay. I picked up a, a power-up in the form of an F, which may also be my grade at playing this game. All I'm really doing is intercepting incoming fire. Either with my... <laughs> either with my own fire or with my skin. I seem to have... Oh, I seem to have died! 170 points. Okay. <laughs> One more game. Because uh, I... Believe me, I, I did hear you from a while back when I played Popeye, and people were like, why didn't he play Popeye any longer? It's a fair point. I just don't like Popeye all that well. <laughs> oh, my trees. Oh, my house. Oh, the, the resale value of my property! Damn you aliens! 
make for a great reality show. Flip your house while aliens are shooting at it. He flosses hamsters by day. She collects crickets by night. And together they're going to buy a half million dollar house and flip it. Alright. My shield her down to about half strength. Level 2. Power-ups are very brief-lived. They are not on there for long at all. And neither am I, but I got up to 306 points that time. <clears throat> so that's kill the attacking aliens. One thing this game does have over Popeye is replay value. I, I will give it that. I think I just played it four times in a row actually lost count. That's uh, that's called replay value. I like it. And finally, we're going to finish up this month's show with a much, much more recent title. The game in this case is by Rafael Cardoso. The game is called Wildlife. And this is basically the Odyssey 2 version of Activision's Pitfall. The game is distributed by and still available from 2600connection.com. I will include a link to the direct page for Wildlife in my show page at thelogbook.com slash select game. Now, this is... <laughs> the packaging notes that this is a single-mode game cartridge, which is kind of a, a gag on the original Magnavox packaging that often boasted that what was inside was a multi-mode game cartridge. I urge the Odyssey 2 programmers and the Odyssey 2 and Video Pack homebrewers of the world to adopt the term mono-mode because it flows better with multi-mode and it's just... <laughs> and it's the same kind of word soup that makes you scratch your head and go, wait a minute, what are they talking about? Personally, I'm waiting for a Depeche Mode Odyssey 2 cartridge. Okay, let's play Wildlife. I will fess up to this being my third recording of trying to play this game. I uh, did very badly the first couple of times around and then realized that I hadn't actually read the manual. My bad. It's very much a, uh, a pitfall type setup in that you have a score that is counting down. Basically a timer. Ah, friendly natives. A really interesting element of this game that is very different from Pitfall is that instead of avoiding the instead of avoiding the body of water, you have to actually climb into it. The campfire is very frustrating. <laughs> Something keeps happening to me in there, and I'm not sure what it is. I like the crab characters. Alright, I'm in the underwater maze. Uh, this is a bit more like uh, 
adventure for the 2600. Okay, so I went the wrong way and I'm back on land. And I... Okay, so you can't touch the walls in the underground maze. Good to know. Now we're getting somewhere. Oh! Yes, we're back to the beginning. That's where we're getting. My counter, my time counter is down to 41.12. I would love to be... I, I, I say showing. I, I would love to be describing more of the game to you. I just can't reach more of the game. Alright. Underwater maze again. Okay. So, uh... Wildlife. And graphically, for the Odyssey 2, this is way above what we normally expect. The fishes are, you know, very unique characters. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to figure out by looking at them how they might have created the fishes out of the standard character set. Does this lead? I'm still in the underwater maze. I have survived. Ah! Now I want to take a moment to kind of apologize for the previous segment. I was frustrated at not being able to make it through more of the game and not being able to describe more of the game to you. I still have not successfully navigated the underwater maze. Someday, someday, I have a feeling I'm going to be playing more wildlife after this podcast because it vexes me, and I will have it. So, you may be asking why the strange spread in terms of time on the homebrew games I have covered in this, the first all-homebrew edition of Select Game. The spread of games that I've talked about in this edition demonstrates that wherever they are, Odyssey 2 and Video Pack fans will not let this system die. As a side note, bless you, all of you. Rafael Cardoso is in Brazil. Soren Gust is in Europe. John Donzilla is in the U.S. Everywhere. This console's rather small circle of fans is still programming games for it. I myself have had an idea or two for an Odyssey 2 homebrew that has made it as far as a design document. I don't have the programming shops to pull it off. Believe me, I would love to. But we'll save that discussion for another time. So the answer to the question, who or what is keeping the Odyssey 2 and the video pack alive? Uh, chances are, some of you listening to this podcast are the ones doing it. Now, as I mentioned before, to celebrate the relaunch of thelogbook.com this spring, we are having a trivia contest. And basically, there are two questions that must be answered 
in order to get the prize package, which is one each of several of the stickers available in the Logbooks Red Bubble store, including select game designs, the game screen designs for Quest for the Rings and Casey Munchkin, and a sticker of Casey Munchkin himself, along with a few other goodies, some of which are video game styled, and some of which aren't, including the new logbook.com logo, which is kind of retro futuristic, and the mission patch for the Escape Pod podcast. However, the answers you seek are contained in this month's select game that you just listened to, as well as this month's Don't Give This Tape to Earl, which is already available. So, this month's shows contain the answers to these questions. The questions are, what was the original name of NASA's Voyager mission? And, name at least one unreleased Odyssey 2 game mentioned in this edition of Select Game. Both questions must be answered. Win a pile of the logbook.com stickers from the Red Bubble store, including the new site logo, the Escape Pod mission patch, several Select Game stickers, a little thing we call Video Vincent, and even the mission patch for that NASA Voyager mission before it changed its name. This was a mission patch that was never used. You can enter from anywhere in the world. All entries are due to Earl at the logbook.com by noon central U.S. time on June 7th, 2017. One winner will be chosen at random from all entries. Thanks for listening to this month's select game. We'll be doing this again because there is a lot of good homebrew and repro stuff out there at this point. I think it's probably fair to say it it may well make up somewhere between one-third and one-half of the available Odyssey 2 video pack software library. Remember, we thrive on reviews and ratings on iTunes. Help spread the Odyssey 2 and video pack love. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again in a month. That's all the time we have for the Select Game Podcast. You can hear Select Game on iTunes, Stitcher, and ThrowbackNetwork.net. And you can also subscribe to the RSS feed. You'll find the podcast itself and occasional goodies associated with it at www.thelogbook.com slash selectgame. If you really dig Select Game, also check out the 365-day-a-year Escape Pod Geek History Podcast at thelogbook.com. And donations toward the site's upkeep and continued podcast production are always gladly accepted at patreon.com slash thelogbook. You can also support the podcast by buying Select Game t-shirts and other goodies at redbubble.com. Look under user The Logbook. Phosphor.Fossils, a comprehensive timeline of the golden era of video games, including the Odyssey 2, can be downloaded at thelogbook.com slash store, which is also where you can find the books I've written about everything from Doctor Who to Star Trek to Growing Up Geeky. Feel free to drop me a line at the Facebook page for thelogbook.com, via Twitter at logbookguy, or email me at earl at thelogbook.com. Select Game Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2 is a production of thelogbook.com and was written and produced by Earl Green. Music performed by Kazatochi, available for free download at thelogbook.com. <laughs>